Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. Genesis means, anybody know? Beginnings, write it down, beginnings. Genesis means beginnings. It's the beginning of creation. It's the beginning of man. It's the beginning of sin. It's the beginning of the redemption. It's the beginning of faith. I told you the book of Genesis is the book of origins. In Genesis, we learn the origin of heaven and earth. We learn the origin of the universe, the origin of order and complexity. We learn the order of the solar system. We learn the order of the atmosphere and the hydrosphere. We learn the order of design and life and family and man and marriage. We learn the origin of evil. We learn the origin of government. Uh, I don't know why I put those two together, evil and government, but it it just came out that way. I don't know what to say. The origin of language, don't clap. The origin, of <laughs> the origin of language, the origin of culture, the origin of religion, the origin of the nations and laws, the origin of truth, the origin of God, the origin of theology. Did you know, at one time, theology, one time in history, theology was called the queen of the sciences. The queen of the sciences. It was called the queen of the sciences because at the end of the day, the ultimate truth is theology. The ultimate truth is God. Somebody say amen. Amen. The revelation of God trumps all other sources of information and knowledge. In the Middle Ages, in Europe, education was brought out of the local monastery and the cathedral and into a broader sphere. Around this time, all study enabled theological thought and culminated in theology. Now things are a lot different today, aren't they? Knowledge, and especially theology, is consigned to bullying. I know that word is thrown around a lot, but I think it's appropriate here. Bullying, and oppressed in science, and assigned to rationalism and relativism. Listen, I'm from the old school, and I believe that God has the last word on everything. I need somebody to clap your hands and say amen. I believe God has last word on everything. And in my opinion, for what it's worth, theology is still the queen of sciences. It's still the queen of sciences. And have you thought about this? Creation is a theological issue. Creation is not a scientific issue. It's an issue of theology. And the reason I say that is because theology or God is the only source that we have information about creation. And any study of creation has a framework of God said. Creation begins by God saying. Therefore, creation is an issue of theology, not a scientific issue. It's impossible, listen, to understand creation without looking at theology. 
If you want to understand origins, you have to look at theology. If you want to understand the universe, you have to look at theology. If you want to understand the sciences, you have to look at theology. And the source of theology is the word of God. The Bible is not theory. The Bible is fact. I can't believe three people said amen. I'm going to say it again because some of y'all must have been asleep. The Bible is not theory. The Bible is fact. And the Bible... The Bible is reality. The Bible is truth. And no matter what subject we're talking about, the Bible is truth. Why? Because God said, and God was the only one there at creation. Listen, creation has always been an issue of theology. This is not new. It didn't become a scientific issue until Darwin hijacked the subject. When Darwin hijacked the subject, things began to be redefined. And don't we live in a culture where words are being redefined? Huh? We live in a culture where words are being redefined. And now I understand what God means when God says there's coming a time where man is going to call wrong right and right wrong because they're redefining theology. And just like Ken Ham, did you guys see the debate? How many people saw the debate? How many people saw the debate? It was really, really good. I wasn't going to watch it. I told you on Wednesday night if you were here, I wasn't going to watch it because I know that debates don't save people. And debates don't, um, you don't argue people into the kingdom because if you can argue them into the kingdom, you can argue them out of the kingdom. So I'm not a real big debater guy, although my secretary asked me, was I going to watch the debate? And I, I told her no because I thought it was, um, that you had to pay for it because the people paid for seats to, to get into it. And so um, I thought maybe you had to pay to see it online or something like that. I didn't know. And uh, which if I had bought seats to it and found out that it was free live streaming, I would have got my money back. And, uh, but that's just me. And <laughs> so, you know, I watched the, the debate and, and just like Ken Ham said, terminology has been hijacked. So we've taken creation out of the realm of theology and we've put it in the realm of human knowledge. If you've been with us, day one, got a pen. Day one, he produces light. Day two, he, he parts the waters. Day three, he prepares the land. Day four, he positions space. I've titled this sermon, The Origin of Space. Day four, Genesis chapter one, saints, beginning in verse one, saints, if you're looking at verse one, I need you to stay with me. If you're looking at verse one, I want you to say amen. amen. In the beginning, who? God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light, what saints? Day. And the darkness he called night. And so the evening and the morning were the first Day, then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst in verse six of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second, what saints? Day. Then God said, 
Verse 9, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called what? Seas. And God saw that it was what? Good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, underline that, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass. The herb that yields seed according to its kind and the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was what? Good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Then God said, let there be light in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day and the night. This is where we pick up in verse 14 to divide the day and the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for the lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. And then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. Oh, by the way, he made the stars also. That's what it feels like. God set them in verse 17 in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was what, saints? Good. So the evening and the morning were the what? Fourth day. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention, if you will. Somebody once said, and I love this. They said, when plain sense makes good sense, seek no other sense. I like that. When plain sense makes good sense, seek no other sense. The Bible opens, in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. And this is a straightforward statement that doesn't need much interpretation. One Bible scholar said the only proper way to interpret Genesis chapter 1 is not to interpret Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 says exactly what Genesis chapter 1 means. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is not an ambiguous statement. It's not an unclear statement. Are you listening? It's not a cloudy statement. It doesn't need explanation. Get this. Pre-Darwin, nobody tried to interpret it. Nobody was confused by it. It was simple. It was clear. It was unmistakable. And even so much that a child could understand it. Now, even though, listen, it was simple, clear, and unmistakable, at the same time, these words are profound and intense and overwhelming data. What you talking about, Willis? Well, listen, there was a man by the name of Herbert Spencer, and Herbert Spencer was a non-Christian scientist, and he was hailed as one of the greatest minds in science. He died in 1903. Herbert Spencer discovered the categories, write it down, the categories of the knowable, the categories of the knowable. The categories of the knowable says everything fits into one of five categories, time, force, action, space, and matter. When he discovered this information, he published it, and the science community went bananas. They raved about it. They said, yes, 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 this is true. This is true. This is true. And listen, he was right. But you don't have to be a scientist to know that. In the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Listen, I knew that when I became a Christian, 
January 23rd, 1982, I sat down. I remember I got saved at 7.30 p.m. at the Friendly Church of God in Christ in Oceanside, California on San Diego Street. And I went home, home, back to the BEQ because I was in the military. You know what the BEQ is. Uh-huh. Tell your neighbor. I went back to the BEQ, and I opened up my Bible, and I thought, you know, well, Christians, I'm a new Christian now. Keep in mind, I've been a Christian for 45 minutes. So I opened up my Bible in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth, and I read that, and I'm thinking, hey, it says what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You don't have to be a scientist to know that that is true. In the beginning, that's time. God, that's force. Created, that's action. The heavens, that's space. And the earth, that's matter. What Mr. Herbert discovered was already known in the first verse of the Bible. Listen, God done been told us that. (laughs) Oh, he's not using proper English. No. God done been told us that. Oh, yes, he found out. Oh, there's time and force and action and space and matter. Duh. We been through that. He created time and force and action and space and matter. But listen, God goes one step further because he did it ex nihilo. Ex nihilo. He made something out of nothing. He created something out of nothing. Somebody say amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Something out of nothing. No pre-existing material. And he did it in six 24-hour periods. Listen, terminology has been hijacked. I would have loved to come up with that statement because I love it. I'll remember it for the rest of my life. Terminology has been hijacked. And it's true. And if you watched the debate, you heard Ken Ham say it. And if you had not watched the debate, I would have said it, and y'all would have thought I was profound. (laughs) Terminology has been hijacked, and particularly the word science. He was talking about creationists who can be scientists. But the evolutionists want you to believe that real scientists don't believe in creation. Y'all remember that part? There are plenty of credible scientists that are creationists, and I won't go into it, but I will just tell you, there are plenty of credible scientists that are creationists. Terminology has been hijacked, and here is a hijacked phrase. Listen, the science of creation. That's a hijacked phrase. Do you know that there is no such tell of the science of creation? There's no such thing as the science of creation. Because there is no scientific way to explain creation. It wasn't a natural event. It wasn't a natural series of natural events. It was a supernatural event that cannot be explained by science. For science to be called, are y'all listening? For science to be called science, there must be verification by repetition. Creation is not repeatable. Creation cannot be verified. Creation is not observable. Creation didn't happen by any uniform, observable, repeatable, fixed natural laws, and therefore cannot fall into the category of science. Now, conversely, 
Somebody say amen, Pastor. Now, conversely, Hebrews, I need to know y'all with me here because this is high-minded stuff, and I'm trying to break it down. Help a brother out. That's all I'm asking you. Now, conversely, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3 tells us, I have it for you on the screen. By faith, we understand the worlds were framed by what, saints? The word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. In other words, you have to believe that God created the world by faith. Why? Because you weren't there. No one was there. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3 tells us everything we see was made out of nothing, ex nihilio. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3 tells us exactly what Genesis is telling us, that God created everything that exists in the universe out of nothing, and then nobody was there but God. So by faith, we believe the worlds were framed. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Please look at verse 3, the divine decree. Write it in your margins, the divine decree. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 4, God saw the light was good and divided the light from the darkness. Verse 5. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first yam day. The evening and morning was the first day. Day two, verse six, God said, let there be firmament. The Hebrew word for firmament means expanse. God said, let there be expanse, actually air. On day two, God put a small ocean on the earth called the sea and a bigger ocean over our heads in the sky, in the stellar, in the space. At this point, the continents are still covered in water. Day three. Were you with me last week in day three? Day three, raise your hand nice and high. Were you with me last week? All right. You know we talked about the origin of vegetation. Then God said, again, everything comes into being by God simply speaking. Everything that we see, everything that we experience, everything that happens in our lives is because God said. On the first day, God divides light from darkness. On the second day, God divides the waters below from the waters above. On the third day, God divides the land from the sea. Look at verse 9. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered in one place. And then God said, and when God said, there must have been some cataclysmic upheaval and the surface of the earth began to shift. And all of a sudden, the earth starts to push up to create land. And then God digs channels so the waters could go back and the ground would appear and he made boundaries around the ocean and he told it to stop right there. And then the the different elements started to combine to make minerals and the minerals become rocks and soil and making up solid earth. Look at verse 10. God called the dry land earth, the waters he called seas. Remember I told you last week that earth is known as the blue planet, the blue planet. Earth is the only place in the solar system that you'll find water. Look at verse 11. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the grass, the herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind. According to its kind is found 10 times in Genesis chapter one. It means God allows variations within a kind. So something of one kind can never develop into another kind. We've already talked about this. 
Something of one kind can never develop into something of another kind. So last week we gave the example of the uh, boysenberry. Y'all still with me? I gave you the example of a boysenberry, which is a hybrid berry of raspberry, blackberry, loganberry, and African dewberry. But they're all a berry of its kind. A berry, listen, will never become a horse. Why? Because a horse is of another kind. You got it. God's got a little more creating to do before we come on the scene. God spends the next couple of days setting up the earth so it can operate on its own. So he begins to provide intelligent life that will be used by us for food and fellowship. So now day four, verse 14, please look at it. Then God said, then God said is the most repeated phrase in the Bible. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and for years. Now, listen, verse 14 is a very controversial verse in the Bible because secular scientists cannot make sense of there being light before sun. Stay with me. Look at verse three. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Look at verse 14. Let there be lights in the firmament. So the question is, how can there be light on the first day and light again on the fourth day? Now, during my study in Genesis chapter 1, let me have your attention, look at me. During my study in Genesis chapter 1, I have a book, um, one of many, but I have a book that I rely on heavily on. I would venture to say without this book, I would not be able to accurately um, um, teach this series. Uh, This book is from the Jewish Publication Society, the Torah Commentary. Um, It is a fascinating, fascinating book. Listen, if you're a book person, a commentary person, this is the commentary you want to definitely have on your shelf. Um, It's fascinating. Uh, one, it reads from um, right to left versus, you know, we read from left to right. Um, it has the um, original, the text in English, and it also has the, um, the um, commentary from a rabbinic standpoint, which is huge. And then along with that, it has the original Hebrew script for that particular text. It is phenomenal. So I refer to it often. I tell you that to tell you this, that any Hebrew words that I am telling you, I am getting them directly from the Hebrew language, directly. The Jewish Publication Society tells us, and here's what you want to write down, tells us that the word light in verse 3 is or, O-R. It speaks of independent light non-solar kind of light, sky illuminated. Some scholars believe this word light speaks of divine light, effulgent light, divine presence. I call it God light. We have the example in Revelation 21, 23, 
The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And then in verse 14, you notice lights with an S. According to the JPS, this light is mayor. Write it down. M-A-O-R. Mayor, which speaks of matter and elements taken from the earth and gathered together in the space and the sky and the cosmos. And God set them burning in a complex chemical nuclear reaction to serve heretofore as light, the sun, the moon, the stars. Somebody once said it like this. He made light on the first day and light bulbs on the fourth day. I really like that. I'm going to tweet that. I'm going to tweet that. He made light on the first day, light bulbs on the fourth day. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293-0923 That's 1-800-293-0923 Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.